Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan. And on this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we are going to be talking about how critical it is as parents and especially moms to stop putting ourselves last on the list and how we can use boundaries, healthy boundaries to achieve that goal. And to help me with this conversation, we are going to be talking with a new friend and colleague, Joe Bellavacqua, and she's going to introduce herself. So Joe, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm Joba Blackwell. I am a multi-business owner. So I'm over in England and we have multiple businesses here, bricks and mortar businesses. So we have a flooring business. We have a hair and beauty salon with a crush and I have a mentoring business too. And then last year I decided to become an author because because you didn't have enough to do. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two kids, a partner, and a dog. So, yeah, I obviously <laughs> needed to, to add something else to my to do list. And tell us a little bit about your book, um, No Longer Last on the List. Yeah, so um, I decided that this book was something that was in me for quite a few years. I'm such a girl's girl. I have lots of different groups of friends, um, all at different stages in their life, careers, family. And the same conversations were coming up time and time again, boundaries being one of them. And during the pandemic, two of my businesses were temporarily shut in lockdown. My mentoring business went really busy and really crazy. But again, everything that I was hearing pre-pandemic, I was hearing, but it was heightened. So women were definitely putting themselves last on the list, if at all on the list. Um, And everything and everyone seemed to come above the wants and needs of the women that I were either friends with or I was working with or I was having conversations with. So I definitely felt like this was the time to put pen to paper um, and to write all of the things that I've learned over the years. And I am by no means perfect. I definitely need to follow my own advice some more times. Um, (laughs) But I feel like there was something that was needed for parents and adults and women especially with lots of responsibilities to go to and to feel like they were seen and they were heard and they were understood um 
but not only read through it, but actually have some useful activities and tools that were going to help them to make themselves more of a priority. And I definitely feel like during COVID and now, even though we're kind of still in it, women are continuously putting themselves last on the list. So I just feel like it's a great tool for women to read and to use and to share and to spark conversations that the world is not perfect. Our world, no one else's world is perfect. There's a lot of comparisonitis out there where we feel like everyone else has got their shiz together and we are the only ones (laughs) that find it difficult juggling all these millions plates that we have so that was the premise of me writing the book and I can't believe that it's nearly been out a year already so I, I love talking about it I love having these conversations and I feel like it's something as women that we need to do more of we need to open up our hearts and our conversations and and admit how difficult things can be or how much pressure we feel on a day-to-day basis and if this book sparks that conversation then amazing yeah I think it's a really important thing to be considering so the research that's coming out on families right now is that the moms of children who are school age have been terribly impacted by this pandemic and so I think that I've seen exactly what you were witnessing, that all of the things that made motherhood in particular really difficult before the pandemic were only heightened, especially because once the kids came home, we were all home, there was so much additional load placed on mothers. And at the same time, all of our outlets, all of our opportunities for self-care were stripped away at the exact same time. So we had extra load and fewer outlets. I think it's been really, really hard on parents all across this beautiful world. And so it's good to know that other people are seeing this. I think that the research is showing this. And I think that all of our listeners who are listening right now are probably raising their hands and saying, yes, that's me. That's been my experience too. I think it's been really hard for all of us. And so I guess I'm kind of curious about you're in this place, you realize, okay, this big load has been on me. It's continuing to be on me where, you know, as we're, we're looking ahead in this pandemic, there's been times where we thought, oh, it's coming to an end. And then no, it's not. And it's closing down again. And it seems like that cyclical nature is going to be here for a while. I think we need to get prepared for it to be here for a little bit of a of time. And so in this new kind of reality that we're in as parents, what can we be doing, especially as moms, as both of us are, what can we be doing to lessen the negative impact that this is having on us and and get ourselves on the list, (laughs) let alone closer to the top? Yeah. So the first thing we do, I think that's such a good point. There's so many things that pre-pandemic we would normally do so we would go out for coffee with girlfriends or for dinner or we'd go and have a blowout and have some drinks and have a dance or Or go go to to a yoga class class. yes yeah or to (laughs) I used to be able to go to dance classes a few nights a week and I can go to my dance classes on zoom I can it's not the same as being in a room filled of I went to a body positive dance studio. So being in a room full of bit like beautiful, curvaceous women who are embodied and in joyful movement, like it's not the same as doing that in your living room on Zoom. It's just not. The conversations are different, aren't they? So yeah. Zoom has been a great substitute for a while, but I feel like a placeholder like maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But the conversations that you have in person, when you let your guard down a little bit, they're just such on a deeper level. And I feel like that's what we've been missing is that deep connection with ourselves and each other and with people that are outside of our immediate family. Right. And just a space to offload because being an adult is hard. Being a parent is hard. Being an employee or a business owner is hard. Life sucks a little bit more when you're an adult. So how can we change the narrative and how can we bring some fun back? How can we take control of our surroundings when things feel so out of our control at the moment? And there's various different things and different ways in which we can do that. The first activity that we do in the book is asking everybody to write a list of their priorities, kind of one to 10, one to 20, bit of a brain dump. Don't think too much about it. Just list down what comes into your head. And by doing that, so many people were literally putting themselves last on the list or not on the list at all, which is even more worrying. So it's about looking at what you think is a priority And maybe just thinking about how can we readjust this? How can we slowly move our way up on the list of our priorities? Because in an idealist world, if we're going from the bottom, we would go straight to the top. But life is life. Responsibilities is responsibilities. And we have to be a bit real about it. So how can we move ourselves slowly from position 10 to position 9 to position 8 to make sure that by three months or six months or a year we're back at the top and we are putting ourselves first so what does self-care look like yeah I was just going to say too like it's it doesn't have to be all or nothing too I think that we get stuck in this place as humans because humans are prone to black and white thinking that's just the way our brains work we get stuck in thinking like okay you know either I do nothing for myself or I go all in and do all the self-care things and we go in and we do all the self-care things and then we're burned out from that too and so I think it's really important to bring a little like a piece of balance to this that there are times and places for you to be further down on your list your kids are sick your partner has got a big presentation at work that they're stressed about. There's times where we do have, like, it's just the reality. We're parents. We do have to go further down, but it doesn't have to be all the time. There are times where we can say, yes, sweetheart, I know you want to play with me right now. And I love playing dinosaurs with you. And right now I'm reading. Right now I'm journaling and I'll be with you in 10 minutes. You know, go ahead and set your timer and I'll be right there in 10 minutes. And I'm going to finish my journal. Like, it's okay there's room for balance in this. I think we're tempted to do all in or it's like this all or nothing thing. And there's, there's a space and time for move up and down, like through the list in various positions throughout the course of your day and week. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I think change is hard, right? We're so programmed to our routines and our expectations and other people's opinions and our feelings and making changes can feel really difficult But if you make small changes, then that's brilliant. So actually, do you have a normal five minute shower because that's all you have time for, but you are craving a bath with candles and nice smellies or bath bombs, then do that, carve out the time. But to do that, you need to be really clear on what it is that makes you happy. You have to be really clear on what is going to make you feel, and this is my favorite saying, self-full. It's every time I say to a woman, you can do this or you can do that or you can change this or you can change that. They're like, but I would feel so selfish. Mm -hmm. And selfish has such a negative connotation, a negative attachment to that word. 
So actually, what if we just switch it up a little bit and say, you're not being selfish, you're being self-full. And the happier you are and the more self-full you are, the happier everybody is around you. I know that when I'm arguing with my kids or I have friction with my husband, it's because I'm not self-full. I feel like there's something missing. Then I become a little bit more, we have a word in in England called aggy. I don't know whether you guys have that. It's like more agitated. So I become Mm -hmm. more aggy and, and my temper is shorter and things bother me that wouldn't normally bother me. So I need to then just take a step back and think, okay, what am I doing or not doing for myself at this moment in time? And how can I change that? It's all about what we can control. There's so many things in this world that we can't control, but actually let's look at our environment. Let's look at our emotions. Let's look how we're reacting to things. Let's look at what we're doing for ourselves. Let's look at all the things we're doing for other people. And let's start doing more of what makes us feel happy rather than thinking about everybody else all of the time. Because that's when we become happier. That's when we become more fulfilled. That's when we feel like, actually, we've got this. This Everything seems a little bit easier and doesn't seem as stressful. And boundaries is something that's really important to that. It's when you allow people to continue asking you for things or asking you for time or asking you for your attention and you allow them, the more they're going to do it. So we just need to start learning how to say no. No, again, it's not a negative word. It's just another word in the dictionary. We can use that. And no (laughs) is a full answer. We don't need to explain ourselves. No is a full answer. Or not right now. Or I can't quite manage that. Or what can you do to take responsibility? What can you do to make what you want happen? So it's just about sometimes with us having to push back and make sure that other people are taking ownership over what they want and what they need because we don't have the answers for everything and everyone. As much as we feel that we are superwomen or that we have to be superwomen, that really isn't a realistic expectation that we put on ourselves. I so agree. And I think that when we take on that superwoman persona, that when we really we are attempting and trying to do all the things and be all the things to all the people, not only do we sometimes let things fall through the cracks? We're not taking care of ourselves. Things don't get done as well as they could be. But we're also this piece of learned helplessness that also comes as a part of that, where we are training those around us to rely on us and not do for themselves. And we're robbing them of opportunities for their own creativity and their own resourcefulness too. So I, I mean, I think that there's this piece of like, it. yes, it's nice to feel like we can do it all, um, but it's not truly sustainable or and not fully serving us or oh anyone else yeah we talk about this in the book a lot and I think the feel the wanting to feel needed mm. feeds our ego oh, oh yeah do that without us oh my goodness they need me oh I'm so important but this is and how that- we're socialized as girls too right this is I mean this is what we are culturally trained that our value and worth is wrapped up in how we serve others absolutely so So, are you a good girl because you've done this for somebody else oh you don't want to share that's really selfish Mm -hmm. oh you said no to helping this person out really that's a little bit mean okay so so, yeah I mean we could go so much so deep (laughs) 
And so, but this is why boundaries are hard, especially for women, because we've been trained our whole lives not to have any, that we've been trained our whole lives that we don't get any. And when we try to have some, that we're a bad person because of it, that it makes us a bad person, a bad girl, a bad woman. So it's really freaking hard then to go and do it. And I I think it's easy for us to say, it sounds like you've had some practice with boundaries. I've had a lot of practice learning to set boundaries. But I think it's really easy for us to say like, no is a complete sentence and much harder to actually put into action for a person who hasn't had the opportunity to work with boundaries for a little while, you know? So, I mean, I started setting boundaries with my dad in big explosive ways when I was like 13. Those also weren't super healthy boundaries. (laughs) But I I started practicing with that because I knew that there were some unhealthy, you know, enmeshment, you know, his ego was wrapped up in my like school performance or something like that. You know, I could tell that there was some not so healthy stuff going on. And so I started practicing with that earlier, but there's lots of other things I had to learn. It takes time. So for those of us who are new to setting boundaries, who know we need to have them, but it, it fills us with fear, like terror and fear of rejection. What's the first step? You know, if we're not quite yet at the, like the no is a complete sentence stage, like how do we, how do we get there? How do we dip our toe? Everything you just said I so resonate with is is hilarious. It's so funny how we all go through different experiences in life, but certain things I think we we all feel like we've gone through as women for sure. And I would say that setting boundaries is like a muscle. Mm-hmm. The more you do it, the better you get at it, the bigger it becomes, the more important, the more confident you become with saying it. So I absolutely agree that should you go out tomorrow and start saying no to everything and everyone, that's probably not going to be so helpful either. <laughs> You're going to be like, hmm, how have I ended up here? Well, Joe said and Laura said, <laughs> they know to everything. But it is definitely a muscle. I think start small. When somebody asks, something of you and you know when you just get that feeling in your gut like listen to your gut that's definitely something I've had to work on a lot over the last few years is you're not being paranoid you're not being evasive or too sensitive too sensitive you're not being a bitch like none of those things are going to happen if you say no that's not who you are so it's about just listening to your gut and if something doesn't feel right if you don't want to do something then don't feel pressured into doing it. And there's loads of different comebacks in which you can say, okay, thank you for asking me. I feel really honored, but actually I can't do that right now. I can't fit that in my schedule right now. I don't think I'm the right person for that right now. Actually, I feel like you can do a great job at that. There's so many ways that you can fluff up saying no whilst you get in the practice of just saying no. <laughs> I think so too. And I think it's also like always okay to ask for time too. If someone asks you to do something to say like, I'm going to need a couple of days to see if I can make that work. And then you can come back and say no later when you've had a chance to practice your response and your delivery. You can always ask for time to make a decision. And you can even be overt with people. You know, I'm trying to get better at making sure that I only say yes to the things that are really aligned that I know I can put my full energy to. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to make sure that this is a yes for me before I say yes to it. And then just yeah, keep, because keep our natural time. default is to say, of course, oh, I'll do yeah. that or I'll help out. It's that's just, I think, in us. And like you say, we've been trained to just step in and, and look for cues and how you can help people. 
it just naturally like I've done it before it just naturally comes out of my mouth and as soon as I come out I think oh why did I say that <laughs> because you just want to make other people happy or help other people out but time I think is really important just give yourself that moment or an hour or a day like, don't rush into making decisions and you can circle back. So if you said that automatic yes, and you get home and your intuition is talking to you, that's what like listening to your gut means is that when you're getting that kind of spidey sense, that little tingle in your gut or that kind of sick contraction, like ugh, feeling that ugh feeling like, why did I say yes to this? It's okay to circle back and say, you know, I was kind of caught off guard in the moment and I've had a chance to think about it and it, I really don't have space or capacity right now to take an, an additional thing on. Um, so I'm going to have to say no to you. It's okay to circle back to those things. I agree. Absolutely. And people don't have to like it either. They don't. But do you know what people understand? We think, oh my they God, do. they're going to hate us. They're going to think we're horrible or that we're not helpful. And they, all these stories that we tell ourselves. But actually, the times where I've had to say no or circle back and say, actually, I thought I could do it, but I don't have capacity. They're like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just get somebody else to do it. Or I'll just yeah. do it. And you're like, oh my goodness, I've just been fretting over this for like three days. <laughs> and that's totally cool with getting somebody else to do it or doing it themselves. So yeah, I think sometimes we just need to forget the stories that we tell ourselves and just say, actually, it's going to be fine. No one's going to die. No one's going to be hurt. No one's going to fall out with me. Nobody's going to hate me. It's fine. Boundaries are important. I think everyone should start also complimenting other people for setting boundaries because sometimes we need that affirmation don't we yeah that's completely fine I understand that thank you for letting me know because then you're like ah I hope somebody would do that for me when I set a boundary I so agree so I, I feel like it is it takes a lot of practice and work and I feel like something that's coming out of this conversation that we're having right now for me is that most of the work that goes into boundary setting is internal it's in conversation with yourself. It's checking in. How does this align with me? How does this feel to me? Is this a yes or is this a no? How can I deliver this in a way that feels aligned in terms of the relationship that I have with this person who's making this request? I agree. And that brings me to my next point, which is actually just be super clear and do some work on who am I as a person? What are my values? What am I good at? What am I willing to allow other people to take from me or give to me so I think working on yourself and who you are and what your core values are is really important so in times where I think that I'm going to let that person down or I don't feel like a good friend I actually come back and take a step back and I go back to my piece of paper where I have written (laughs) down who am I so you can do a really simple exercise and literally just put your name in the middle of a piece of paper and almost like a spider graph, just write all the words that you think are amazing about yourself. What are the things that you really feel make you as a person? Mm-hmm. And when I do this with people, if I say write all the bad things, they can write it all down really quickly. If I get them to write good things about themselves, they really struggle because again, we've so been conditioned that if we talk good about ourselves, we're bragging or we're boastful or we're not modest and it's not a good look. When actually we should be excited by who we are. We're all so unique in our own different ways. So I would definitely urge your listeners to really take some time 
whether that's in the bath or in the bed or on the sofa or in a car, wherever you are, just get out a piece of paper and really love on yourself. You remind yourself of all the things that make you the beautiful person that you are. And that could be you're loyal, you're fun, you're excitable, you are a good friend, you are a wholesome person, you really care for other people, you really care for yourself, you you are worth it. All these things that you want to tell yourself or remind yourself, do that visually and go back to it often, especially when you're feeling a bit of a wobble when it comes to the boundaries or if you're having a bad day you need to be able to remind yourself what an amazing person you are and all the things that you've achieved and all the things that you've learned and and just an amazing person that you are I love that and you know that sounds like a really good exercise for writing your own affirmations too affirmations are an interesting thing and mantras I think that it's we go like look for lists of them on Pinterest and on Google. But I think it's always better to write them for ourselves. And I think that that would be a great tool for writing your own affirmations. Like I am a kind and curious being like that would feel really good for me to say about myself. Um, But I wouldn't see that. I would never find that on a a Pinterest list of affirmations. Um, Other things we can do for boundaries is writing. This is something that I found really helpful for myself and some of the women that I've worked with is just doing like a simple 24-7 calendar and almost drawing out what your, and I say perfect in like speech bubbles because there is no perfect, but what would your perfect week look like? When will you get up? What will you do? Will you do your journaling in the morning? Will you do your exercise? Will you just have a quiet cup of coffee on the sofa? Will you go for a run? Or do you want to get up and spend time with your kids and have breakfast and make them a fresh pancakes? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not at that stage yet. I love my sleep too much. I'm like, give me every single minute in the morning I can. <laughs> and what does your week look like? What do you do? Where do you spend your time? What is it that you do if you're working? How many hours do you want to spend on that? Do you want to work three days, four days, five days? Do you want to work in the evenings when the kids are in bed? What do you want your week to look like? And then if somebody is trying to ask of you of something, then again, it's another visual reminder. This doesn't sit in with how I want my time to look, my day or my week. So actually, I'm not going to be able to do that right now. And again, it's just another tool to give you that confirmation that what other people are needing from you is not sitting right with what you want to do right now. And and having that visual tool really help as a reminder to, to just put yourself in your needs first. Absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about a little bit of different piece of boundaries that I think parents, especially moms run into around not necessarily things that we're being asked to do, but almost like information that's coming in towards us, like advice about how to parent our child, gifts that are, you know, wonderful and generous, but not in alignment with what we're trying to do in our homes because we're trying to have a more simple life. You know, what about those types of boundaries or perhaps interactions that loved ones, well-meaning loved ones are having with our kids that aren't really in alignment with what our goals and priorities are for our kids? What about that aspect of boundaries? Because it's a little bit different than the just not taking on a new role in the PTA. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I feel like communication is something, again, that we all need to be more comfortable with. I know you guys in America are so much more open, I feel, than (laughs) us as the British. We're all like, 
We have a big British audience, though. So lots of folks who are listening are in the UK and Ireland. So just so you know, your people are here. completely get what I say now, where... It's almost like that whole stiff upper lip and just keep everything in or sweep things under the carpet. Keep calm and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Whereas sometimes I feel that if we can have better communication when things start to irk us a little bit and it's about talking about the little things sometimes that bother us rather than waiting for a big explosion. So what happens is all these little things and all these little niggles of other people's expectations and other people's opinions and, again, speech bubbles, guidance and support that people have, all these messages that we have thrown at us all the time by friends or family or colleagues or society or TV or social media. We're thrown all these different kind of messages but it's about having clear communication with the people around us and again it goes back to control the controllables what can we control well we can't control what's on tv but we can control what we watch we can't control what's on social media but we can control who we follow we can't control what they write in the magazines but we can control what magazines we buy Okay, so let's take this and apply it to interactions with loved ones. I'm thinking about an example with my mother-in-law. I can't control what clothes she buys for my kids, but I can control whether those clothes go in my kids' drawers. Absolutely. Versus getting donated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you can okay. just, like, exchange them. But I think it's about Oh, no, that she me. cuts the tags off because she doesn't because she doesn't want me to be able to exchange them. <laughs> but I think it's about, again, it's how do we... Because people will always do what they feel is right or what makes them happy. So I feel like actually we need to have a question with ourselves. Is this such a big deal or is it just, do my kids love the clothes or is it me that has a problem with the clothes? Or Do you know what I mean? Sometimes again, it's looking at us. Okay, well, I wouldn't dress my kids in that, but does that mean that it's not nice? Maybe not. It's a volume like Uh, literally won't fit in the drawers uh, issue (laughs) it's a volume issue not not a style I mean our our kids go to a media free school so they can't have any characters or media images on their clothing at school so we generally just don't really want clothes that they can't wear but no it's not a quality or anything like that it's it's just volume and the kids have asked for no more clothes too because they feel overwhelmed because they're in charge of putting their own clothes away and they can't get clothes in the drawers i mean i think that this is i guess it would be that whole communication thing isn't it like again thank them for of course yes um, donations (laughs) (laughs) and their thought and I think as humans, we always want to feel validated. We always want to feel listened to and heard and appreciated. I think especially when it comes to grandparents, I've definitely noticed that with my own parents and their relationship with my kids. But I guess it's about, again, having that those communication lines and opening up that we're really thankful and we really appreciate the time that you spend going to get all of these clothes. But actually... At the moment, the kids don't need any more. It's causing a bit of problems in this sense. So actually, rather than buying them more clothes, which they probably won't wear and you're going to waste your money, why don't you think about actually doing something like getting them a day voucher to do something fun with the kids instead or or buy them something that they're going to help them with their education or have more fun or create memories? 
that's definitely the way that we've gone down with our friends and because I mean we have a massive family I cannot tell you the amount of family members <laughs> that we have and again we would, we would get lots of presents that the kids might look at but actually not get time to play with so we just have to have a really honest conversations and say actually what's happening is they're getting so much stuff that they're not being able to play with it and it, or things are getting broken or things are not being used so actually what we're trying to do more of a family is go to the cinema more so cinema vouchers would be amazing or we want to yeah. go to a theme park and actually that would be really amazing or they have this hobby so actually like my daughter's into photography so a camera and accessories and film and all of those things lessons they all cost money so actually we would much rather your hard-earned money go into something that's going to really help them long term then another thing that is just going to take up space and they're not going to play with. I think that that's so beautiful and so wonderful. I think that that's a great place to start. But I also know that there are lots of people who will just disregard that and keep going with what they want to do. That's a, a lot of the parents in my community come to me with that exact thing. We've set, we've set compassionate, kind boundaries and they just get disregarded. And I think that that's something that is, it's so important for everybody listening to know that, that when that is happening, that doesn't mean anything about how that person respects you or how they feel about you. You can't control how they respond to your boundary or with those types of boundaries you know, a request for a, a different sort of gift or that they stick to like a, a wish list or something like you can't control those things. We don't want to be ungrateful, of course. Like you were saying before, you have to look for where you do have control, right? So we can't always control some of those things. If they are, if the person that in question also has a hard time with boundaries and is having a hard time sticking with the the boundary that you're compassionately trying to set then then you have to have I think other boundaries in place like backup boundaries like you know that I don't have to bring this in to my house I also don't have to bring the feelings from this into my heart I don't have to bring the feelings into our relationship I can still have a a lovely warm relationship with my mother-in-law or with my dad or you know with whoever and, yeah, and like, have I a good internal emotional a, boundary you know yeah, I agree so Something that we did not so long ago, somebody talked to me about the love languages. Yeah. Have you heard about that? Mm. Oh, yes. So this is amazing. So my dad is, he came over from Egypt to the UK about 40 years ago, came over with very little, worked really, really hard, and he would always buy us gifts. Like, that was how he showed us he loved us. He would always mm -hmm. give us money or give us gifts, or if we were doing well at school or we had a good rapport, it was, okay, here's some money, or let's get you, get you a gift. And all you wanted was someone, and all I wanted was him to say, you're so, I'm so proud of you, let's yeah. go and make some memories. And and I really resented the fact that he didn't really have as much time for me and my siblings mm -hmm. as what we wanted to do. And it, and it wasn't until I got older myself and I started doing some self-development. And, and then when I found love languages, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And it's not that he wasn't giving me what I needed. He was just showing me in his own way yeah. what he thought I wanted and what he thought was a token of his love, which yeah, was Yeah, this is what it. love lo looks like. This is yeah, what love feels like. Is, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You've done amazing. Whereas I'm like, I just want you to tell me you're proud of me. So I think exploring that is really key because we all have different love languages. Absolutely. We want to be communicated to in a different way and 
just because you want to be communicated or and rewarded or affirmed in one way doesn't mean that the other person knows that or is aware of that mm-hmm. and can change that. So again, those conversations are really key. And I did that with my kids and my husband. And it was a real eye opener actually yeah. for all of us, which was really, really good. But I feel like you're right. I feel like there sometimes we feel like oh, they're not listening to us or they're not respecting us because they're not listening to what I'm saying. And sometimes it's not about that at all. They just, they want to show how they care in a certain way. But I feel like being consistent with your messaging is mm-hmm. really, really important. So if you say, if they get clothes for birthdays or Christmas or off, just on a whim, it's about being consistent with your messaging. Absolutely. Or planting the seeds before. So if it's a birthday that you know is coming up and they're going to get a bundle full of clothes, it's actually saying, do you know what? So-and-so has made a list of what they really want for their birthday. Here's some ideas of what you can get for them. Mm-hmm. So again, you're trying to just give that communication <laughs> in a really lovely way. I think that's really key too. But again, it's you can say things really lovely, but if you feel like you're not being listened to, you can be more stern. Being stern and being assertive doesn't make you a... Sometimes you just need to communicate to people in different ways. And my father-in-law, I mean, he's amazing. He's a great father-in-law, but we are very, very different. And I was very strict with my daughter's routines. And if she didn't eat her dinner in her bed, she wouldn't get pudding and and things like that. And I remember there was a whole incident at their house once where she didn't eat her dinner. And I said, right, there's, there's no pudding. And literally five minutes later, he came and sat down and gave her some pudding. I just lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't recommend for everybody. No, right? <laughs> you just need to be a little bit more stern. And it did cause some friction, obviously, that night. But I feel like actually that was a bit of a wake-up call for him to to say actually I need to respect that you are the mother you are doing things your way I might not necessarily agree with them but you're the one that has to mother her seven days a week whereas we just get her for one afternoon a week or whatever so sometimes you just have to think about what is more important getting your message across to the person or not being seen as a certain type of person because I feel that if we're too assertive we're going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths that makes us a bad person. Whereas actually sometimes people just need that shock and that reality that actually I'm not going to stand for this any longer. Yeah. And put your foot down. Absolutely. I definitely think that sometimes that it's not not wrong to be assertive. I think too, though, we have to take a look at our goals and priorities. Like we've been talking about earlier and around like what is more important to us. And is this something that's a deal breaker? Is this something that tips the scales and crosses a firm line for us? The clothes is not something I'm going to go to the mat over with my mother-in-law. I'm not, she's a wonderful, generous person. You know, we feel more fulfilled when she is making, like she hand makes toys for my kids beautiful. Send more of those. But she enjoys buying the clothes. It's her thing. It's fine. You know, but when it comes to things like forcing affection, which I've had to set pretty firm boundaries with all of my kids' grandparents, because it's a different generation. They're not used to it. But those are things that I am really firm about because I want my girls to grow up knowing that their bodies are theirs and they have full autonomy over the touches that they receive, you know. And so 
knowing where those lines are for yourself and where the firm boundaries have to come in and and where there are consequences too around like you know if you are not able to stop yourself from tickling my daughter when she says no we won't be able to be around you like it's okay to say those hard boundaries that that's obviously not what you want I, i mean most of us want to have good relationship with grandparents but there are lines that, and the lines are different for every family. And there are things that, you know, when I was younger and a younger mom with younger kids, I got worked up over it. And now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I should have just let that go. I was not letting them have their own relationship. You know, like there's some things that just, oof, you can just let those things go, but really get clear on like what the actual deal breakers are, where the actual line and needs to be for your family. And it's okay to take a firm stance on those things. I agree 100%. It's something that I'm so passionate about. I had really strict parents, like super strict parents. And no was no for them. There was no exploring the reason why or explanations or any of those no understanding, no communication. And that was really hard for me growing up because I didn't know the power of pushing back on people. It was do as I say and that's it or consequence, which was quite a severe consequence. So I, for one, have lived through what you're talking about. So I'm so open with my kids. We talk about everything. We, nothing is off guard. They have such a powerful voice. I am so proud of because I am not shocked I don't judge that anything they say is okay if they're having a bad day and and they want to just tell me to do one like that's okay too like (laughs) kids need their space and their boundaries their bodies are so important and I feel like they are lessons that we need to teach our kids from when they're really young and it's about you giving them the permission to do that, which you clearly are. And it's about standing up for them when they do use their voice as well and giving them the power to say to their grandparents, that's not okay. I'm not enjoying that. That needs to stop. Yeah. Um, my dad, again, with the whole time thing, he was, again, giving my kids presents. And my kids were like, I just want you to come and watch me play football or netball. And why don't you come and see us do that? And he's like, I'm too busy. And then my daughter turned around and said, you're always too busy. You're always going to be working. You need to be there for us. You need to make more time. We come and see you. <laughs> and she was only about eight, I think. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, my goodness. Like, where has this come from? She's being really rude. I'm like, no, she's not being rude. She's being honest. This is she's feeding. And you need to take that on board. Because if the child is saying it, that is what she wants. That's what she's thinking. Yes. I'm not going to tell her off for that. You need to listen. And do you know what? He listened. Oh, that's beautiful. Sometimes they just, they need to hear it from somebody else. But as long as we can empower our kids to have their own voice, and they're going to be so much better at setting boundaries than we are. Oh, my goodness. It's just going to be, hopefully, not being able to say no stops at our generation. And the kids that are coming up today are going to be able to know the power of their voice. And 
and know what's right for them and know what's not right for them and they're able to voice those and be listened to I think is really really important it's so important and it starts with us, right? This is, I mean, this is the whole point of, I mean, I guess I get a little tired of hearing that, you know, do this for your kids. I mean, but that's oftentimes what we have to say to moms to get them to take care of themselves, right? Like, so yes, do this for your kids, but also know that this, you are deserving of time and boundaries and not being last on the list just because you're a freaking person. Yeah, <laughs> you are endowed with humanity. <laughs> Yeah, kids model behavior, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, I have a degree in childhood services. You are clearly very educated yourself in this. So this is the whole nature-nurture thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, kids, They see things, they copy behavior, they model what they see. So if they see you as a mum saying, you can do whatever you want to do, you can go to the moon, you can be the next prime minister or president and you can say no and and you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do and you don't have to be sad because of you've been put into a situation or you can use your voice and you're saying all these things to your kids mm. but you're not doing it yourself it's a mixed message it really can conf- you out yeah. it's a confusing message for kids yeah. yeah you can do this but I'm not doing it yeah Absolutely. I'm telling you, you can achieve this, but I'm not achieving it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's confusing. Yes. And they're going to they're gonna model, they're going to do what they see. Yeah, there's definitely moments of dissonance that make it really challenging for kids to get a clear and, oh, I'm blanking on the word that I want to say. It starts with a C. I can't, can't say it. It's okay. We all have brain things that happen, but a really clear and how concise. I don't know. I can't think of the C word I, I want to say. I was going to say concise. Yeah, but uh, like not connected, but one like aligned message and a, a message that is where the message we're saying is aligned with our behaviors, where they are, you know, you can see that there is alignment between those things I think is really important. Um, so Joe, thank you so much for all of this conversation. I want to make sure that people know where they can find you and follow you. So why don't you tell us where they can, where you live on the internet? Thank you so much. I feel like we've gone so deep today. Yeah, it was <laughs> good. So many different things. But yeah, so I am on Facebook, Joe Bevilacqua, a bit of a mouthful, B-E-V-I-L-A-C-T-U-A. On Instagram, which I think is where we've been talking. I yeah. think we were initially in a clubhouse room. I love clubhouse, but I don't really have that much time for it at the moment because I just get so engrossed in it. Uh, so Facebook, Insta. I have a website and then my book is on Amazon also we've got the paperback and the Kindle version so yeah stay in touch I really want to to read the comments and reach out if any of this has resonated with anybody and yeah if you if you start implementing anything or start exercising that muscle of saying no I want to know about it for sure I get so pumped when people start putting themselves higher up on that priority list and and it starts to pay off so oh I so agree it's so much fun to hear from folks when something has resonated and is you're starting to put it into practice it's so much fun for sure well thank you so much Joe. it was so fun to get to know you and chat with you all about boundaries today thank you thank you soon Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of 
um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.